made it out here. It looks like we're not gonna get in our area at least the brunt of all the weather that's going on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that our beaches will be safe. The erosion Amen. won't be too great. And we pray, Lord, that no one suffers damage to their properties from this storm. Amen. Just ask you, Lord, to send it out. Send it out. Far away from us in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight's message. I want you to make sure you pay attention to the picture because the title is you have great potential. You have great potential. But you see that's a heart up there. That's our stony little hearts in that picture. We each have great potential. So the question is, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with where you are in life right now? Uh, maybe you would like for your life to look a little different than it does. Maybe there's hopes and dreams that you have that just haven't come to fruition yet. But probably you just don't see your potential through the eyes of God. Yeah. You don't see the, the, your potential the way he sees your potential. And that's what I want us to talk about tonight. This message is not going to be because the title could confuse a few. It's not going to be a name it and claim it. It's not going to be a see it and be it kind of a message, okay? That's not what we're doing here. That's not what we are about. Amen. Three years ago, here's a statistic for you. Three years ago, there were over 85,000 self-improvement books. 85,000 self-improvement books. That was three years ago. Two years ago, the self-help industry was worth $10.5 billion. And that number is expected to reach $14 billion by the, by, within the next couple of years. $14 billion a year for self-help. So I think that's a pretty big thing on people's minds, wouldn't you think? Amen. They are always saying, you know, I need some help here. I need some help here. Well, guess what? We have the answer. Mm -hmm. The market's flooded with all of these self-help programs and, uh, and, and their kind of an answer. But I want to ask you, and I want you to look at this. Do you want in your life, and should they want in their life, anyone who's listening, or who made the people purchasing all of these books, a Band-Aid, or do we want a cure? Do we want to put a Band-Aid on it, or do we want a cure? Cure. <laughs> well, that's what it's going to look like if that's what you're going <laughs> So the question is, where does your help come from? Where does your help come from? Because you see, the creator of all things created you, and he knows better than you know yourself. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Better than you know yourself how to make your full potential come out, how to bring your life to fruition, to bring all that he has for you out of you. He has a plan. He has a plan 
for our world. He has a plan for our country. He has a plan for each and every one of us sitting here tonight. He has a plan. And his word tells you that he knows the plans he has for you. We quote Amen. that scripture all the time. He has plans for you. He knows them. But the point is, is that you need to get into your heart and into your mind and absorb into your thought process every moment that his plan is there for you. And that's the plan you want. That you want his plan. That you don't want to just go hunting for your own plan, doing things your own way, trying to run the show all on your own for reasons that don't line up with who he is, with what he wants for you, that don't line up with the goodness of God, that line more up with what the world is calling goodness around you. We don't want that. We want God's plan. And if we can get in line with his perfect will for us, if we can get in line with what he desires for us, that's where we will meet our great potential. That's how we're going to do it. He knows the plans. He's fully willing to see those plans come out in your life and he, in the life of your loved ones, in the life of your neighborhood, in the life of your city, in the life of our country. He is willing to have those plans come to pass. But guess what? There's an if. There's an if. He speaks to each one of us, and he speaks to us collectively, and he says, if, and here they are, and you know them, but we have to remind ourselves of these things, if we are willing to humble ourselves. That means not always thinking that we have the answer. If we are willing to seek him, if we are willing to turn from serving all the idols that we have built up in our lives. We've created those idols in our lives. If we are willing to give our life fully into walking with and serving him. If we are willing to do those things, and it's a personal choice, then, then we will reach our great potential. That's how it's going to happen, by total surrender to him. And, oh, you know, he's got great plans for us. He has great plans for us. He wants to give us a new, free mindset. He wants to get bring fullness into our lives as we begin to seek him and looking to what he has for us according to his will. That's how you're going to feel, feel that fulfillment in your life. Because he begins to change you. He begins to mold you and turn you and shape you into the person that he has all along said that you can be. It's marvelous what he says that you can be. And when he begins to turn you into his will and shape you according to his will, he's going to shape you in ways that are going to change you, not just for this week or for tomorrow or next Tuesday. He's going to give you changes that are going to last for the rest of your life as you seek him. And he says to us to store up our treasures where? He's gonna, he wants us to store up our treasures in heaven where moths and rust and thieves cannot touch them. So we're, our, our treasures are not what this world is telling us they need to be. 
And that, those things that the world tells us we need is not going to satisfy. It's not satisfying them. That's why there's all of these self-help books. Always seeking and looking and looking. How can I fix this? Something's not right. What's not right is you are not submitting yourself to the lordship of the king of kings. Amen. He's going to make everything possible as we walk with him. And not only that, he's provided us a family. He has provided us a family. He has said that the believers are knit together. He wants to knit us together, showing us not only our own worth, but the worth of one another, the worth of fellow believers. He wants us to understand that we're not to be a one-man show. We need one another. Mm -hmm. He's created us to walk in harmony with one another. And he begins to teach us how to do that as we answer the ifs that he's put in place. He shows us his sacrifice, and he calls us to share the wonders of who he is, our great God, and the amazing opportunity he gives us, the opportunity he gives us, the amazing opportunity that he gives us to serve him, to come into his presence, to experience his heart. It's an amazing opportunity, and we can't just throw it away. Why would we want to throw it away once we get to know him a little bit? We don't want to do that. He tells us, do not quit receiving. You see, sometimes as Christians, we're like, well, okay, I know him. I pray in the morning. I pray at night. I think about him during the day. Don't quit receiving. Receive what the Holy Spirit is stirring up within you. Never, ever, ever, ever be satisfied with less, with less, because he doesn't want you to. He wants you to have more. He always wants you to have more. Don't be satisfied with less than God's best for you. He's got a best for you. It might not look like your neighbor's best. But he has the best for you. He knows you. He has a purpose for you. And when you're walking in that, ah, you experience the awesome power and greatness of our God. You experience his love. And he holds you in the palm of his hand. We've got to not be self-serving because that's what this world tells us that we, that we need to be. If, we, if we're satisfied with less... He tells us no. He wants us to be built up. He's made us to be a strange and peculiar people. Sometimes we don't like to hear that. But he says, I have made you a strange and peculiar people. And he wants us to be accepting of that. He wants us to embrace that. That he's, he gives us as a strange and peculiar people and relationship with him, that if others don't know that relationship, you are strange. What do you mean you're being nice to people who are not nice to you? That's very strange, that's peculiar. He wants us to walk in the fruit and the gifting of the Holy Spirit that he has presented us with. He wants us to do that to the point that we're serving one another, and as we get closer and closer to him, that we're encouraging that gifting that he has to manifest itself in our lives 
and our fellow believers and our brothers and sisters and in our church. We want that. We desire more of him. And when he says we're strange and peculiar, then amen. Bring it on. We can all ask the Lord for increase. Increase my desire for you. Increase my desire to love others in my heart. That I am pleased and satisfied to be called a strange and peculiar person because I'm serving you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we talk about our great potential as Christians, it's not about our natural abilities. Because you know the Lord God, he's amazing. He's given each and every one of us natural abilities. When you were born, he, he just put it in you from the beginning. You have some natural abilities. They're from his hand. And you don't have to work at them. You don't have to struggle with them. And sometimes what happens, unfortunately, is people get so satisfied with their natural abilities that they think that they're doing it all in their own strength. They think that they're accomplishing it all. They don't understand that that very thing is a gift from the hand of a loving father. And they run ahead of God, and they ignore God, and they create all kinds of things in their life that they think are going to satisfy them. And sometimes those things will satisfy for a while. For a while. Our great potential lies not in all of those things. Because we can ask the Lord for that increase, but our great potential lies in our relationship with him. And it's in that relationship with him that we begin to discover that there's a whole other side to our lives, a whole other side to who we are, and that really he created us as spiritual beings. And that's why you see so much other stuff going on, and it's increasing around us in this world right now where people are running after spiritual things, but they're not the things of God. And so, especially as Christians, we have to be very, very cautious because there's a lot of it out there, and they're going to try to feed it to you. And it's displeasing to God. In fact, it's from the various things that he's told us all along told his people all along, stay away from that. That's coming from the enemy. That's not coming from my hand. That's making people feel that they're puffed up, that they're able, again, feeding into their own carnality, into their own desire to do it all their own way. Stay away from it. That's what he's telling us, because that's not what I have for you. Seek after what I have for you. Natural abilities are enough for some people, like I said. But don't accept that for yourself. There's Christians sitting in the pews that are accepting that for themselves. Don't do it. Don't accept it for our body here. Don't accept your natural abilities to be all you're going to give in the body of Christ, the church, the church we're sitting in as the body. If natural abilities is all that we're going to rely on, and if that's all that satisfies us, then no matter how much we accomplish, in the end, in the end, we will have failed. That's right, we'll have failed. You could have a stadium full of people listening to you speak. You could have tremendous wealth and influence and power. And if we, in our entire lives, only rely on our natural abilities, we will have failed to reach our fullest potential. 
We're never going to reach it in our natural abilities. We may indeed stand before the Lord one day if we live our life like that, and he will say to you or me, I do not know you. You simply used what I gave you according to your own desires. You didn't walk with me. You didn't walk with me. This is the message that we need to really let sink into our hearts. That it's all about relationship with him. It's all about walking with him. Let it sink in. Take a hold of it. Eat it. And then be willing to share it with others. Be willing to share that great promise that you have with others that they have to know you better be walking with him walk with him because that's where our fullest potential is found it's found in one and one only and that's jesus christ and what the father says about us and what the holy spirit works in us and through us to a world out there and to one another does he call this local church by name this local church does he call us by name Does he call you by name? Amen. Amen. It's really met in him as we fulfill his call in our lives. So choose, choose. Remember, it's a choice to continually get closer to him on a continual basis. Grow, grow, grow. No matter how long any of us have been in Christ, he always has more for us. And this is a good thing. It's a good thing. We're not ever to be completely satisfied. Always move forward in your relationship with the Lord. Don't rush ahead of God. Don't, because we get impatient. Don't rush, rush ahead of God in your walk. Just as the Hebrews with Moses in the desert, they only moved the camp, if you'll remember. They only moved it when the cloud lifted and began to move. Then they would pick up camp and they would follow the cloud. If it didn't move, they didn't move. Do the same thing. Learn from God's word. Do the same thing and you'll have no regrets. Seek the Lord. Obey him. And when he says to move, that's when you move. That's how we'll have no regrets. If we're in a rush to reach the things of God, you can be sure that we're acting in our own abilities and in our own flesh and our own emotions. You can be sure of it. Never underestimate that potential that is in the small beginnings. Great potential almost always starts small. Don't get frustrated. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey with the Lord. Wherever he has you right now, enjoy it. Amen. Don't constantly be looking ahead. Well, when this happens, when that happens, when Enjoy your relationship with the Lord. Move when he says move. Quit trying to rush ahead of him and don't lag behind him either. Walk with him. The request in um, Matthew 15:22 was a small beginning. It was, it was a request for just a crumb. Did you see that? Just a crumb. 
a Canaanite woman. Okay? Not, con not considered to be part of the family of God. Therefore, she wasn't considered to be a part of the family of God. Therefore, knowing that she had no right, no right to the blessings of Jesus, still begged him. She still begged him to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Could you imagine? In Matthew 15, verse 25, it says, the woman came and she knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, hmm, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And you know what our Lord did? He said, and her daughter was healed at that very moment. The Canaanite woman, she, she demonstrated such great faith in the Lord that she considered just a crumb. Just a crumb from Jesus is enough. Do we realize that we always ask for so much more? But he, she said, just a crumb is enough. Just a crumb, I believe. Just a crumb will do it. Just a crumb from Jesus is enough, and that crumb brought the results. So let's read Mark 12, if you're going to open up your word, 41 through 44. And we're going to ask, what potential did the widow in Mark 12, 41 to 44, see in her offering at the temple? Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow, she came and she put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, come here. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, she gave out of her poverty, and she put in everything, all she had to live on. You see, another small amount, but in God's eyes, it meant everything. Amen. The Lord sees. Take from that and understand. The Lord sees. He takes note of where you are, and he responds accordingly. Though the amount that the widow, she gave, it was small. Her wealth was truly great, though, you have to realize, because she understood something that many there who are wealthy did not. She understood the greatness of her God. She under knew, understood the provision and the promises of her God. She relied on him to the fullest. If she put it all in, that means she gave it all. She relied on him to the fullest, and he wants us to do the same. In John 6, 9, Jesus multiplied the boys' lunch of five loaves and two fishes. Our children know this story. And from five loaves and two fishes, he fed 5,000 men, plus the women and the children on top of that. 
So afterwards, it says there were 12 baskets filled with pieces of the barley loaves. Those were the leftovers. So our God, our Jesus, who's called the bread of life, he doesn't just add. You've got to realize when he's dealing with you and your potential, those small things you give him, that small offering of your little faith that you think you have, that mustard seed of faith that you're able to muster up and hand to him, he's not a God who he sees it and he's not a God who just takes it lightly. He is a God who takes that little bit and he doesn't just add. He multiplies. It is through your relationship with him that he stirs you up inside and he's going to multiply everything that you offer to him. You offer your little bit of whatever it is, whatever you can have. Maybe you're sorrowful. Maybe you have illness. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's pain and sorrow within relationships in your life. You give him that little bit of help me, Lord. Here, I'm, I'm, I want you to show me how to do this the right way. And he will come and he won't just answer that. He looks at you, he sees you, and he multiplies. He multiplies blessings in our lives of all kinds when we're faithful, when we show him faith, when we show him it's him we trust in, him we have the faith in. So believe him. Believe him. He already has given us those natural abilities, and, and, and we put it back into his hands. Whatever he's given you, hand it back to him and let him multiply in you beyond anything you can imagine. The very breath. Do you realize that? Your very breath comes from him. But the very breath you breathe is the ruach. The breath of God in your lungs. And if people would recognize that they only have breath in their lungs because we have a God who is Amen. merciful and faithful and gives us every day of our lives, then maybe we would see. He's called our Ruach Hasha, what is it, HaMashiach. Ruach HaMashiach is the Holy Spirit of the living God. And he is with us and been, we've been blessed to have him in our lives, to have him in us and working through us. And we can call upon our God anytime, and he will show up and multiply our belief in us till we grow and grow into our full potential that he has for us. We're going to look at, we've already looked at the Canaanite woman, a poor widow, a boy's lunch, and now let's take a look at the prophet Elijah. I love him. In 1 Kings 18.41, Elijah went up on Mount Carmel praying seven times for rain before a very small cloud appeared. Very small. And it arose out over the sea. But from that little cloud that finally arose, because he was faithfully praying out of that little cloud, came an abundance of multiplied clouds that provided the rain that he had been praying for. It started from a, a prayer and a tiny cloud. James 5.16 speaks about that event. James 5.16. And it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 17 begins this way. Elijah was a human being even as we are. 
He prayed earnestly. I want you to get that. Elijah, who we are always putting up here, like, oh, it was Elijah. Chariots of fire. He took. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. So there's great potential in our steadfast faith and prayers. How do you think Elijah got that kind of faith? We need to remain humble and contrite. And we need to make our requests known to God with boldness because we believe his promises. And we know that all the good gifts that are handed to us, as we get to know him, we know they're from his hand and his hand alone. And we know our Heavenly Father is the one who blesses us. Stay close to the Lord and obey his directions, and that's how this happens. That's what Elijah did. He stayed close, he believed, and he prayed fervently, and then he obeyed. We're going to turn to Zechariah 4, 6 through 10 in a moment. Zechariah, uh, in Zechariah 4, 6 through 10, Zerubbabel was chosen by God to complete the work of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. This was after the Babylonian exile. And it had been, the temple had been in ruins for 20 years. The massive amount of rubble was like a mountain. And the project of rebuilding was even greater. So understand that that 20 years, massive amounts of mountains of rubble, Everything was still there, but it was just mountains of rubble that they were looking at. And now they're going to rebuild. God wanted to encourage the people and let them know that the work would be completed. His very spirit would assure it. And though the task was very daunting and the start seemed small, the end was going to be magnificent. So Zechariah 4 through 6 says it this way. So he said to me, this was being said to Zechariah. So he, the Lord said to, to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, we know this one, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So I want you to picture it as we continue here they are, all the people coming to work, and there's mountains of rubble, and they're seeing this, and now we're going to rebuild. That's what they're daunting. And they had a lot of detractors, too, coming to try to tell them, no, it's not going to happen. No, we don't want you doing it. We're going to try to stop you from doing it. So all that was going on, and the word in verse 7 continues, Zechariah 4, 7. What are you, mighty mountain? It's talking about the mountain of rubble. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. The capstone would be put on it when it was all completed. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. 
His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares to despise the small things. Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Grasp that. Small things. Look, they had to start small. It was a mess. But they had the promise of God that it would not be by might nor by power, but by his spirit that he would make it happen. They could rely on him. They could believe in him and they could move forward. They still had to do the work. He didn't go, oh, let me just fix it all for you and blow all the rubble away and bring. I'm, I'm not, he didn't do that. They still had to do the work. But he said, I'm with you. I'm gonna, it's going to be by my spirit, and it's going to happen. And when it is, you're going to be so happy because you're going to be built up just like that, and it's going to be magnificent. Like he wants to see each one of us. He wants each one of us to be a jewel. He says, you can be a jewel. Amen. Whatever we're facing, the supply is ours. Because we, we know the supplier, right? The supply is ours. Our potential and God's plans are never, never thwarted by what we see. Stay close to him and choose to obey him, and he makes a way. He makes a way. We must not trust in our own resources, and that's where we mess up all the time. Don't trust in your own resources. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Do you believe that? That you could do all things and that he will give you the strength. That's what his word says. We need to begin to put that inside of us. All of these beautiful things he tells us. And live by them. Walk by them. Breathe by them. Eat by them. Live by them. Sleep by them. Walk them out. Share them with a world that's going after every self-help thing out there. Except the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the only answer. The Ruach, the breath of God, levels those mighty mountains. He said, by my spirit, those mountains will be moved. And anything that blocks your way, anything that keeps you in the dry wilderness that, that they came out of, that's blocking you from going to the place in your life that God wants you to go to, Lift it up in prayer before the Lord. Because the, the Spirit of God takes our prayers into the very holy of holies in heaven. We did not have access to that place. No one but the high priest had access to that place until Jesus ascended. We have access into the very holy holies of God in heaven before the very throne we have access to lay it all down there. We have access to be brought in and given all the blessings that he has for us, to have all the power that we need to walk out this life according to the plan that he has for you. Not according to your own will, but according to the plan that he has for you. We have access to every provision. All the supplies are in the storehouse of heaven, and they're there waiting for you to go ask, Lord, can I have that supply? 
that's why I'm going to need it right now. I'm having a bad day tomorrow. I know already because I've got all these people I've got to deal with. He will give you the supplies out of his storehouse, and he's given you access to go right there. So do it. Use, use what he's given you. Walk close with Jesus. Pray with faith in God alone. Don't have faith in yourself. Have faith in God. Persevere through the tough times. Don't give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Never give up. Persevere in the tough times through any storm in your life. We all have storms. If we don't have storms, then we would be ignoring God all the time. I can promise you that. If there weren't storms, we would be going, we wouldn't get anything done that the Lord wants because we would be ignoring him. And he wouldn't even be able to get through to us through the Holy Spirit to say, I want you to do this, and you need to do that. And did you see that person over there? I want you to go talk to them. Oh, that person could use some financial help. That person could use some prayer. Tell that person about your church that you go to. Amen. We wouldn't be listening. So we, we're going to have more times, but he promises he's going to be with us, and he's going to get us through every storm, every tough time, because he's going to walk with you if, if, if you believe him. And you believe his word. And you believe that he's the promise keeper that he says he is. He tells us that he who is in us, the Holy Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is greater than he who is in the world. So through that he tells us that we can fight every battle and that we are going to succeed as long as we're not trying to do anything just in our own strength. Ephesians 2.10 says... For we are God's handiwork. You know this. We're his handiwork. He created us, it says, in Christ Jesus. But to do good works. That's why he created us. In Christ Jesus. To do good works. And it says that God prepared them. Prepared those good works ahead of time for you to do. For me to do. For our church to do. He prepared them for us. And we are his handiwork. Wow, we're his handiwork. We're not his junk. We're not his garbage. We're not his leftovers. We're his handiwork. Wow, that should be humbling in and of itself. You have the great potential, and collectively, guess what? He's placed that potential in each one of us, and it's up to us to choose to <laughs> seek him out to fulfill it. But collectively, here in this place, as a body of Christ, collectively with other members of the kingdom of God, collectively, oh, the provision, the power, the potential, it's multiplied. It's multiplied like the loaves and the fish in this very body as we recognize our need for one another. Somehow or another, we've gotten away so much in this world from understanding that we need one another. You're the body of Christ, in this body, we must love one another and encourage one another so that we can grow together because it's together that he calls us to serve our Lord, our Father, to the fullest. How are we going to serve him to the fullest if we're just islands all into ourselves? We come together and we're multiplied. The provision is multiplied. 
the, the information that we share with one another, the counsel that we can give to one another, it's multiplied and it causes us to be more effective and that the church, the church of the living God, the body of Christ will meet the potential that he has for us as his people. We don't want to lose that. Our potential in the Lord calls us to be servants. We need to remember that first and foremost. It doesn't matter where you are in this body, how long you've been in the body, how much you know about the body. He has called every single one of us to be servants. In this church, the church of God, we believe in foot washing. When's the last time we've ever thought much about that? Foot washing, where you kneel down and you wash one another's feet. It's a humbling experience, but it talks about service. The point isn't for me to wash your feet. The point is, is that we are to serve one another with humility. We are to love one another that way, that we would be willing to bow down at the foot of one of the fellow believers and take care of their feet if we need to. Are we like that? So we have to, that, that, that just demands humility to do something like that. And that's why it's in there. It demands humility. No one's going to get down to wash your feet if they're not able to practice some humility. It's a very good thing to think about, if nothing else, because that's from his hand. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Romans 12, 4 through 5, we're, we're coming closer to the end, but Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, I think I skipped, uh, let me back up one. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, right? Your hands don't do what your feet do, etc. You don't walk on your hands and wash dishes with your feet, we hope, if you, unless you needed to. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Do we, do we pay attention sometimes to what the word said? Each member belongs to one another. We belong to each other. We're united together in the Lord. If one hurts, and if you hurt some, if you hurt one another in this body of Christ, you're hurting yourself. We belong to one another. If you're hurting your neighbor, if you're hurting your brother or sister sitting next to you, you are hurting yourself. If we hold one another back from experiencing all the potential that God has for them, we hold ourselves back as well because we're one body. Amen. If we hold anyone back, we're holding ourselves back. So take heart that in Christ, remember those words, in Christ, in him, we truly do belong to each other. As one body united in Christ. After Paul instructs us to know our enemies, and to put on the whole armor of God, he says this to us in Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. We're to pray for one another. Amen. We're to be alert to the wiles of the devil who wants to come in and destroy the body of Christ. Destroy you individually and destroy the body. That's the goal. That's the game. And we need to be alert and we need to be praying for all the Lord's people. That means we need to be praying for one another all the Amen. time. All the time. Pray for the Lord's people then and be mindful. The Great Commission is better accomplished by showing forth the amazing goodness and wonders of our God. Do we do that? Do we talk about our great God and his love? Everything we do, we need to do it in his love, loving others, getting out there, being willing as this body to start serving our community and those who we meet every day and letting them know they need the great God that we serve. They need him, and they've got to see him in you. They've got to see Jesus Christ in you. Amen. Acts 2.42 told us to add to our numbers daily those who are being saved. That's what the church did. Add to our numbers daily those who are being saved. If we do all of these things, if we start to meet our great potential in the Lord Jesus Christ, love one another here in this church, come together as a body, begin to ask the Lord, what do you have for us out there? Guess what? We will be adding to our numbers daily those who are being saved. It will happen because we will be strange and peculiar. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We will be the people who are there to serve one another and serve the lost. We will be the broken made whole. So, the Lord promises us that he is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So I'm gonna ask us as a church that we begin to pray these things for ourselves and for our church and for our community that we begin to pray that our community be, will begin to take note of us as being a beacon and a light to this community. But it's not going to happen if we're not checking ourselves first and then committing to him. I want to be closer to you, more like you, with you more. I want to serve you, and I want to start by making sure that I'm thinking about my fellow person in the body of Christ, and I'm loving them. I am encouraging them. I'm making sure that if they have gifts, I'm encouraging those gifts in their life. That I'm encouraging them to grow ever closer to you. And that if they're down, I'm going to be there to help give them hope. And if they have a need as a body, we're going to try to meet that need. That's what we need to be. If you want to have the great potential of God, and I know I do, do you see that his abundance for you is not as the world wants to give it to you, but it's heavenly blessings from his spirit. I hope that you're getting that from this message. And if you want to, I'm going to say to you now, if you want to, spend, let's spend a moment and let's ask God. You know, if you want to want to bow your head and pray silently, if you, whatever you want to do. But just to ask God to begin working that in you, working in what he has for your life. 
I think that every one of us, like I said before, none of us have arrived. There's always more that God has for us. If you see it and you want him to give you more, if you want to serve him, if you want to be more like him, if you want his promises in your life, then let's do that right now. Let's ask him for a refreshing. Let's begin to pray, each of us, in our plate where we are, or however you choose in your choice to do it, for refreshing. And ask him to re reveal or begin to reveal all of the gifts that he has for us. Ask him to fill us anew. And with the fruit, how about with the fruit of the Spirit? So that we can love one another the way he wants us to. We say more of you, Lord, more of you. Help us to draw closer to you, Lord, and to pray for one another. We pray, Lord, for wholeness in each of our lives so that we can serve others with the same wholeness and offer it to them. Let's take a moment. I'm going to be quiet for a moment and just lift up your